And you're very welcome along to the, uh, well, hard to believe, final gardening programme of the spring-summer series, anyway. Spring-summer, yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. We, we're back we're, in the autumn we're, again. We're, we're not putting, closing the door entirely no. on 2017 or anything like that. But yeah, that has been a speedy couple hasn't of it? months, Porek. It yeah. really, really has flown for, since late, late February, isn't it? Early March we started. Yeah, the months have flown. The weather's been absolutely brilliant. I mean, we have had a great gardening we, year we thus have. far. Yeah, and fingers crossed, it continues. Yeah. And I suppose even um, we were chatting at home in my own house yesterday evening about uh, you know where things are at in terms of the life cycle stage of different plants and everything is uh, you know out maybe a small bit sooner than oh. we might have expected in the grand scheme of things there's and no question about you know, it people were, I was being asked it was X out yet and Y out yet in my garden I said well not just yet but surely that's not July anyway yeah. and they said well yeah you're right so oh, it is it's, it's at least a, uh, 10 days maybe 2 weeks ahead of schedule and funny I was talking to a um, a friend of mine who who's a beekeeper in in Wicklow, mm. and the uh, white the um, brambles are in flower. The you know the the uh, bramble the like the blackberries, the blackberries stuff. yeah the black blackberries are in full flower at the moment. So his bees are feeding on those, which normally wouldn't happen till the end of well into the end of June, early July, yeah. first week of July, really. Uh, so we're well ahead right throughout the country, and a bloom it was exactly the same. Roses were in flower. Many of the summer flowering plants were were um, in, in full flower weeks ahead of what they normally would yeah. be. So it has been an exceptionally good year. A really good planting year, so the soil conditions and the little bit of moisture that we've had just has come at the really the right time. And uh, with the high levels of light levels, plants are doing really well. So it, it has been an excellent year. Yeah, um, and it's and it's and the signal is there for what we anticipate to be a pretty good harvest as well. Absolutely. Mm. And, and I see some of the questions in already, you know, people talking about apple trees loaded with fruit and uh, there's uh, question in on holly that's full of berries at the moment so that's typically around the country the white thorn is full of berries the black thorn has its slows on this huge amount of fruit in the garden and that's just really um after that such a brilliant spring and the amount of flower blossom that we've had this year so it's been a very good year absolutely but remember I am back in September again you are yeah no sorry I don't don't want to give any sense of finality or anything you mentioned Bloom there you also are uh, quite busy this weekend in Galway I am the uh, Ideal Homes and Garden Festival is on in the Galway race course so I'm shooting after this program, um, up to do a, a couple of gigs up there. So, um, again, it's it's a garden festival. I suppose it's it's lovely to see it in the west of Ireland. There's a lot of really good uh, plant displays. Some everything to do with gardening, really garden furniture and and everything that celebrates garden gardening. And also, there's quite a lot with the ideal homes as well. So that's on the race course. It starts at twelve o'clock today and runs through till six o'clock. I'll be speaking at one fifteen. So I'm doing a, a session on garden design so teaching people how to um, you know maybe maybe look at their garden slightly mm-hmm. different way and, and bring in that whole um, sense of functionality and usability of the garden and how you can uh, maybe change areas make them more low maintenance start to enjoy the garden sit out in it barbecue yeah, I suppose get, get bring that, that link and I know we've discussed it in the past on the programme but bringing the, the indoors outdoors and, and and I suppose then kind of the other way around too a little bit so exactly there's more flow between the two sites yeah, and I was there yesterday and I gave two talks yesterday and I was asking people had they been at Bloom it surprised me that so few had actually been up to Bloom, but uh, so but I was sharing the ideas that I saw at Bloom and the gardens that that I experienced at Bloom this year, and bringing back a lot of those ideas in a practical way, mm. how people can implement them in their own garden. So I'm going to repeat that talk today at quarter past one uh, in the race course in the Ideal Homes in, in uh, Galway. So if you're around, and I'm also there at five o'clock today, and again tomorrow Sunday 
at a quarter past one and five o'clock. So if you're around Galway, pop in. You'll see me in the um, seminar room. Uh, we also have a stand there. So I'm showing some of the large, particularly the mature hedging plants that people can put in. If you're looking for, them for a bit of instant screening or shelter, they'll be on the stand okay, as well. Okay, that's, that's so, something we're asked about all the time on the programme. So, so Exactly. So that's that's a, uh, that's a this weekend. Next weekend, I've been asked by the Westport Flower Festival just to mention that they have a fantastic event in the Holy Trinity Church in Westport. So it's next Saturday and Sunday, the July 1st and 2nd. And they're really, I suppose, celebrating flower arranging yep. and summer, summer colour. And they're encouraging yep. people, particularly amateur gardeners, to collect the flowers and the, the, the foliage and, and uh, flowers from their own garden and maybe create an arrangement. So they want, you know, they're not really looking for professional displays. They're looking for the amateur gardeners to take the best from their garden and create a natural arrangement and bring it to the Holy Trinity Church. They're setting up on Friday mm-hmm. so people can come along on Friday with their arrangement and then the show is on Saturday and Sunday. But I thought it was a nice, uh, I suppose it celebrates a lot of what we've been talking about. It celebrates the, the summer colour and the best that people have in their garden and they're really encouraging people to bring in an arrangement, have a go and put an arrangement together. together and bring it in. And they're looking kind of for something different, something unusual. You know, it doesn't have to be... A, it it a, doesn't have to follow any particular rule or pattern. No, and I imagine, uh, you know, the, the, the less it follows it, the more interesting it'll be. I think so. And we all have, I suppose, maybe favourite plants and flowers in our own gardens, and we mightn't have a huge number of them. But I suppose very interesting to take the plants that are in your garden bring them together yeah. and I suppose really what that really represents from my perspective anyway it represents you as a gardener as a flower enthusiast so beautiful way to celebrate the Westport Flower Festival next Saturday and Sunday at the Holy Trinity Church in Westport yeah. and I see it's a fundraiser as well in the Mission Olya Fire so there's some very good causes yeah. there as yeah, well the so that's something, something different I thought hospice. very novel um, uh, so you might give that a mention again next we week. We will, and a, a little reminder I'm when I'm beautiful, not here. Beautiful poster, hard to, <laughs> hard to ignore it. Uh, very colourful. Um, so yeah, we most certainly will give it a mention. Uh, but maybe go out to your garden over the weekend and have a look if you're in the vicinity and see, hmm, what could I bring with me exactly. next weekend? And put, and, a, and put spe- a little plan. Speaking about, about out in the garden this weekend, I was just thinking of the car up. There's a couple of things that people, again, we're seeing, and particularly yesterday, a lot of people asked me about blight in particular it's it's knocking about at the moment so I did we did issue that for the last couple of weeks a blight warning so this sort of weather is very favourable to the spread of blight so do take some precaution particularly in, if you get a dry spell this afternoon I think is to be dry go out and, and put a treatment on your tomatoes and your potato crop and just keep it clean it's also the time of year dear Jeff, where people should think about giving the lawn a second feed just giving it a bit of colour if you want to kind of green it up now and particularly with the, the level of moisture we've around at the moment if you put on some straight park and fairway lawn fertiliser. It doesn't need the weed killer or the moss control this time of year. Just a, a straight feed. You'll green up the lawn without forcing it. You'll give it a nice green colour and that colour then will remain well into the autumn. It's also excellent weather for the sowing of new lawns. So for listeners that need to maybe repatch particular areas or want to put in new lawns, then the weather is just perfect for germ- the germination of seed. Um, so not just flower seed. Again, if you want to sow vegetable or flower seed, it's very, very good temperatures. You mentioned 15 to 17 degrees. Yep. Grass seed will germinate at 10 degrees. So it's absolutely perfect. It'll be up in 7 to 10 days if you put the seed on now, particularly with the sort of weather we're having. And it's also excellent planting weather. So if you're putting in, say, a couple of trees or shrubs or vegetable plants or herbs in the garden, the soil conditions are absolutely perfect for planting when you get that that mixture of moisture and heat. Do watch out for the slugs. 
Because you are there, knocking about. Yeah, oh my God, I, I was out uh, in doing a bit uh, during the week and yes, there, there was a bit of a free-for-all. Yeah. Right, so yeah. they are, they're feeding a lot at the moment yeah. in tunnels and also out in the open garden. <coughs> so just keep an eye. This is their time of year where they really start to do some damage on plants. So particularly smaller plants, keep an eye on them and, and uh, prevent from that. So they're kind of some of the things. So keep an eye on the, the bugs and diseases, your roses. The other key thing as we come into the end of June is to start deadheading particularly the early summer flowering plants like lupins are beginning to go over now. So if you deadhead them and remove the old flowers, the plants will come back into flower again. So where you see things beginning to fade a little bit, don't wait for another week or two. Trim them back now, even though there might be a small bit of colour on the top. Once they start to produce their seed, you should remove the, the, the flowering stems and allow new growth. And when we trim back deadhead plants, you feed them at the same time. So general plants like roses or um, particularly lupins, the early flowered lupins, delphiniums, if the flowers are beginning to fade, just trim them back, feed them, and they'll kick back into growth and you'll get a second crop of colour maybe in, in July, August sort of period. So regular deadheading on plants as well would be important and liquid feeding. So liquid feed your plants. So this is the time of year for liquid feeding tomatoes, vegetable plants in general, and even some trees and shrubs. If you want to give them a little bit of a boost, this is a, a very good month just to put on, on a handful of granulated fertiliser or a liquid feed just to give them that which need a boost. Yeah, and to, I suppose give them an, an extra them going. period of time as yeah, well then yeah. in, in flower uh, and that they, you kind of knock, knock full value out of them. You do, you extend the season because yeah. many of them yeah. will continue to flower well into August, September, October, particularly if you're re- removing the old flowers on a regular basis. Okay. Pork, beetroot, uh, yes. first of all. Beetroot in a polytunnel, it's as big as large onions. Oh, fantastic. Great, great description. When and how to harvest also, can you eat the leaves of beetroot? You can. Oh. They're in the, the in the, the chard, in the Swiss chard. Yeah. They're in the beet family, yeah, like sugar beet or or um, Swiss chard or any of those. So the the leaves are edible. Um, of course, they're they're nicer the younger the foliage is. So pick the the young leaves, the small mm. leaves, and you can cook them like you cook kale. So put them into hot water and cook them, or they can be used in salads as well. So they're totally edible. Uh, the harvesting beet, the key thing is not to um, cut the foliage, it's to twist the foliage off. So you harvest, you lift the beet, mm. you take as much um, or the beetroot and you take as much soil off them as possible and let them dry for a couple of days and then twist the actual foliage, the stems off and then they can be stored in a dry cool garage or shed and they'll store right through the winter period and you, as you know you can use them, you can pickle them or you can... Um, Cook them. You make can make crisps. crisps. Yeah, <laughs> I so. made crisps out of them recently. <laughs> and they, uh, absolutely. So you can use them straight away if you wish. In oh. the oven, Teresa, and they were healthy. Teresa's laughing at me. A small bit of olive oil. Is that what you do? Small bit of olive oil. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I just was an experiment, but yeah. it worked okay. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, because they're not? quite expensive to buy those vegetable crisps. So, and that's it. You just dice them up and, and a little bit of oil. So they can be used straight away, or they can be stored for winter use. Um, you can pickle them as well. And yes, you can eat the foliage. So the young leaves, preferably, like Swiss chard you just harvest the young leaves and you can cook them or you can eat them in salads they're totally edible okay what's the difference between the beet and the beetroot and they're all from the one family they're in the one family so you have things in the beet family you've got sugar beet sugar beet yeah right you've got uh, Swiss chard oh okay Swiss chard is in the beet in the beet but it doesn't have it doesn't have it doesn't form no it it forms a a small bulbous base but it's mainly used for its stems and foliage Swiss chard and a great vegetable you can sow it from seed now you can sow it from plants at this time of year it's 
beautifully ornamental because the stems, there's a lovely variety called rainbow that has yellow varieties with yellow, orange, pink, red stems. It's like rhubarb. Yeah. It grows like rhubarb. And you use the stems and the, the foliage. And, the, foliage, yeah. and yeah. the younger you use it, the sweeter it is. Um, so the very young stems and leaves can be used raw in salads or the uh, as they mature you can cook them like you cook, cook um, kale or whatever. Mm. And the same with beetroot. Beetroot, you can use both the obviously the beet itself but you can use the foliage as well. And again, the, the listener could actually re-sow some beetroot. Beetroot is one of those plants that um, germinates very quickly. So if you sow the seeds now, you would have nice beet by September again. So you can extend the, the, the cropping period with them, particularly in a tunnel. It's an ideal place to put them. Lovely. White thorn trees cut back to the base. Can I, can I kill off the roots? Asks Tony. Well, you'll need to if you don't want them to re-sprout. So there are a couple of trees like white thorn ash sycamore that if you prune them back even prune mature plants back they just reshoot again from the base um, so really what I would suggest is getting one of the root treatments so their um, Roundup do one called Root Out um, and that can be just applied to the root itself so with a drill or an auger you make holes in the actual stem and you put the treatment in and it kills them off or you can use something like SBK to, con- to kill it alternatively you can allow the white thorn to reshoot so let it reshoot um, this year and spray the actual foliage and that will help to kill the trunk as well. But one of the root out treatments can be applied and that will kill off the, the white thorn because it will reshoot again. Now, it'll reshoot and you can always trim it as a hedge and keep mm. it low if you wish. Um, but it will, it's like ash or, or any of those poplars, they, they, they just reshoot from the base again. Okay. Um, why has the holly so many green berries? I know you just alluded to this earlier in, in, when we started the programme, Porik. Um, a lot of green berries at the moment. They're full of green bar- yeah. berries. Uh, this person is in a Clarence County, Sligo. I don't know if the location makes no, any no, difference No, no, not all, a bit. I, I all holly trees are experiencing the, are. the same. I was walking in, in Westport uh, only last week or the week before and, and I was admiring the, the holly bushes and the amount of, of uh, green berries. Well, holly flowers early in the season. It flowers in March and April. So the, the berries are forming from that stage on. The bees visit the flowers in in March and April and set the the berries. So it's just because we've such an exceptionally good spring and the bees were out early, they pollinated the flowers and you're now seeing the results of that. So holly is going to start to ripen. The berries will probably be ripe by August. So we'll have early holly colour mm. um, and you'll find that with mountain ash and which even though even the white thorn I, I mentioned earlier is absolutely covered in berries. So it's going to be a great autumn of berry co- colour. Um, and of course the berries are green first and then as they mature they go to the lovely red colour so it's totally natural this year to see holly which, which I hope it's not a signal that the winter is going to be <laughs> you know you have these uh, <clears throat> fish okay. rogues don't, that, yeah don't go there we won't yeah, talk about yeah. that but it is it's going to be just a great year for, for fruiting uh, not you know it's even like gooseberries and blackcurrants and all these fruiting plants are really so healthy this year so it's just really I suppose just, uh, another example well, of, 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 of what a great season. gardening year absolutely, we're having absolutely absolutely That's now all we've it got is. some rose flower <clears throat> buds are not opening pork they get nearly open but they stay in a ball with some of the petals going brown now others open fine listeners wondering do they need to spray them with anything uh, not really this is more to do with weather it's a thing called balling balling of roses and it's where the flower just starts to open and if you get wet weather uh, the outer petals become kind of stiff and stop the bud from opening effectively. Now what you can do is if you if you gently take the outer petals off the, the flower will open uh, or else just deadhead, just take off those shoots. You'll find that on the plant 
maybe 10% or 15%. Those flowers that are open, maybe when the weather was a little bit cooler or wetter, tend to have this balling effect. So it's the outer petals stopping, I suppose, the bud from opening properly. And uh, the petals go that brown or stain, staining colour. So all you do is literally take the flower, cut it back, um, and the, the rose will reshoot again and flower, produce new flowers. So it's, it's a weather condition rather than a disease or pest problem. Now, having said that, it's no harm to be putting on the Rose Clare or the Rose mm. Rescue on roses because there's a lot of green fly and black spot and rust around at the moment. So I'd, I would keep that treatment up. Um, so just deadhead the rose, feed it and it'll be perfectly fine. Great. Now, I saw some lovely trees in bloom that had a long stem and a square leafy head in the urban retreat garden. Mm. I need some like this for a tall screen. What is the name of these trees? Where can I get them? And when is it okay to plant? So the urban retreat garden, that mm. was... Um, that was, a, was that the winning garden? One, no. No, no. but it was a particularly nice garden. Uh, it's Alan Rudden's garden uh, from memory. <coughs> that was the one with the big gazebo type uh, it structure. It was. Yeah. The covered structure, mm. yeah. And urban retreat, it, it was there to celebrate, I suppose, town living and urban planting. And he had trees... Carpinus betulus was the name of the tree, or more commonly called hornbeam. Okay. Hornbeam. So a very easy tree to grow. It's, you know, it's a very common tree. It's used actually a lot in um, town. So you'll see it in Westport and you'll see it in Castlebar as, as a streetscape tree because it tends to do very well in urban areas. It'll t- tolerate a certain amount of car pollution. Um, and it tends to have a very neat, compact shape. Now, the trees that, that from from the urban garden, urban retreat garden, mm. were pleached, which means that they're grown with a central clean stem. So the stem was about six feet clean. So this bare, naked stem. And then the pleached comes with the, the way it's trained on top. So it's actually trimmed like a hedge. So it was a, the trees themselves were all knitted together. They were spaced about seven or eight feet apart. Mm-hmm. And they formed like a hedge on stilts. Oh, wow. And the idea that Alan had, and so they were up in the air, maybe 16, 17 feet. Mm. So the idea was that they took very little space in the garden, yet they were given privacy from a neighbouring window. Right. So they'd be an ideal tree if somebody has a particular view or a, a window or whatever, to, to screen off without taking up a huge amount of space in your garden. Pleached trees. Now, pleached is, pleach refers to the way it's trimmed. Right. So you can have pleached beech trees or you can have pleached cherry trees or pleached hornbeams. So it, it, uh, it's just a method of, of growing trees. Um, I think it comes to us from France or Italy. It certainly comes from, um, from Europe, the, the concept. So it's a ver- very nice way of kind of having a very nice formal neat plant that screens an area. And they, those trees are available. There are nurseries in Ireland that grow the trees. So you can, you can purchase a tree that's 15 or 16 feet tall that will give you the screening effect to block a window or block a view or to shade an area or just to, you know, stop the... So it's, it's literally like a hedge up six feet up in the air with this lovely nice clean stem and the foliage up on top and all that's required then is once a year you trim the hedge mm. both sides the, in width it's only about maybe Alan's trees were probably only a foot in diameter maybe 18 inches in diameter right. but yet they were 16 feet tall in the air so very neat very compact and here them all surrounding his garden I have some pictures of it I'll put them up on my Twitter account True. after the programme yeah. people can see it or the Facebook account As, yeah, it's, I mean you can clearly from the description understand how it sits into an urban landscape as opposed to 
a non-urban yeah. landscape um, but uh, I suppose in terms of the maintenance um, is it, like apart from the bit of trimming that's, is, all, that's, that's all it really that's all that's required okay. hornbeam is a very very easy tree to go it will grow naturally you give it a little bit of fertiliser in the springtime you don't want it growing too fast anyway because mm. the more vigorous it grows the more little bit of trimming sure. you have with it but having said that there's, there's virtually no maintenance apart from trimming it once a year on the front and back maybe on the top right. and you'd reach up with a with one of the uh, petrol trimmers oh the ones with the you know, extensions yeah and you just yeah. you'd be able to trim it and keep it neat and tidy so I'll put up some pictures they're, they're particularly nice uh, they're pleached hornbeam trees so they're perfect for that if you just want to block off a particular window or a particular view or an aspect they're ideal full stop up in the air there you with, go. With, with taking up minimal space. space okay and when is it okay to plant those you can plant them at this time of year because they're grown in, in tubs and containers mm. so even though you're buying a tree that's 12 or 15 feet tall you can plant it actually at this time of year you can plant it in the autumn it doesn't really matter okay now we've a good crop of apples but some are falling off now says Joe yeah, well, that's, uh, we, we mentioned this a couple of weeks back. I was talking about the June drop, and, and this is totally natural with, with fruit trees. And particularly in a year like this year, you're going to see lots of aborted fruit. So this is where the tree, at the end of June, naturally figures out that it cannot, it cannot sustain the amount of fruit that it, it, it's holding. So it aborts, particularly the smaller fruit. Um, and what I advise people is to let that happen, rake up the, the old fruitlets and just throw them away and then about the middle of July go back over the trees and if again there's a lot of heavy fruit on them start thinning some of those yourself so take away the weaker so on a cluster of apples you only want to leave two or three fruitlets to form otherwise the branches will break or the tree just won't be able to uh, produce the fruit large enough so selectively in July start actually taking out some of the fruit as well particularly in a year that, like we're having this year that'll be necessary the other key thing with fruit trees is to prune them at this time of year so as we're coming into the first week of June or July a good idea is to trim back all that whippy growth that it has made since March so where you've got long extension generally the fruit is carried on the older stems further down into the tree that whippy growth that's on the top of the trees if you shorten that back then that helps to reduce the vigour of the trees which is a good idea but secondly and more importantly it helps to produce switch the tree into producing leafy growth into switching it into producing flower buds for next year so you're kind of keeping on a semi-diet you're keeping the tree you know, cut back a small bit, but you're also giving it a little bit of a shock, and it actually switches into producing fruit little fruit buds for next year. So, a little bit of summer pruning. I know it doesn't seem the right time of year Just for a, pruning. But a little we bit. tend to associate it with winter, but if you do it now, you, you'll need less pruning in the winter, and you'll actually set the tree up next year for more fruit. I have a Ponsettia still right. in full red bloom. Okay, brilliant. Should I repot it as it's getting big, says Bernie? Well, there you go. I mean. <laughs> What are you talking about value for money? Yeah. December, <laughs> halfway into probably the year. purchased in November, and 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 it's still so six months of color. That's fantastic. It's obviously, and very happy wherever it's. It sitting. sure is. Um, it comes to us from Mexico, I think, isn't is it? That the Poinsettia? Poinsettia. Yeah, and it's well, named after okay. um, really Joseph Poinsettia from memory. You know, I'm nearly certain that he brought it to the America to, to the states. Mm-hmm. So he he's the guy that brought it to the states and made it famous. Um, and many of the, the modern varieties now tend to hold their colour great. You know, they tend to, you know, it was a plant years ago that lasted for three or four weeks and yeah. they kind of chuck it out. But modern varieties tend to hold their bracts, their colours better. Because it is, a, in, in Mexico, it grows as a shrub. It grows oh, out, of, d- out in the garden, that. yeah. It grows yeah. Or out in the, it's a wild, not a wild plant, but I mean, it's, it grows in um, naturally 
in uh, in Mexico. Um, so it is a perennial shrub. You can keep it for many years. The trick is getting it back to red again in the autumn because it, it uh, to get it to colour red for next winter, it needs a very complicated uh, light um, exclusion system. So in, on the nurseries where it's grown, I won't get into this because because they're, they're kind of green the leaves initially, they are, aren't they? They're going to go. You see, yeah. As as the colour starts to fade now, you're going to get new green growth, and the and the trick is trying to get that green to red. Right. So in naturally in Mexico, what happens is that they're they're grown out in the in the deserts, and they get they've no artificial light, so there's no street lights, there's no car lights, and they get complete darkness for about ten to twelve hours at night time, and that triggers they leave to go from green to red. In Ireland, we've got plenty of artificial light. So even the growers that grow poinsettias, say they're growing them in a field, in mm. a greenhouse, they have to exclude all non-natural light. So they have to be in the black polytunnels nearly They have to be in, well, they have to, they have to exclude night, light time. So they'll either uh, situate their greenhouses where there's no street lighting, there's no car lighting, there's no artificial light, because that will actually affect the plants. Any bit of light It'll at stop all. them from going, from going to this red colour. Or they'll put up a special screening that, that cuts out the light, any artificial light at night time. So they have to be in total darkness for 10 to 12 hours from about the end of August up to Christmas period to get the bracts to colour from green to red. And naturally in a house that's very difficult to simulate. Yeah. Because you're switching on the lights. The could you put, no, Bernie, I don't think we wish to no. be giving you awkward jobs or anything, but if you, could, you put a, could you put like a black uh, refuse sack over it for 10 hours a night? You could. Might that, might that work? Oh, it would work. If Bernie felt that way in It blind. would, it would. But the plant will grow perfectly fine. I mean, you could, you could just repot it. I think that's what Bernie wants yeah. to do yeah. and grow it Sorry. on. So repot it, put it into a bigger tub, um, enjoy the red colour that you have at the moment. You get lots of green leaves now over the summer and it'll be a green plant. Yeah, poinsettia. And look, you could try and bring it. If you Google it, you'll, you'll find exactly the steps to take. But it has to be excluded for any, from any artificial light. And that includes car lights, it includes any lights in the home, Night any, lights, any sort lights, of lights, right. any sort of light. Okay. <laughs> Interesting experiment. That's I, why I, you don't I, see too many no, of them year I, yeah, after year. They tend to get chucked yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot so of work there. Out, yeah. Okay. One more and we'll go for a break. Um, how to cut roses to put in a vase. Must one cut just above the stem with five leaves on it? Well, that's probably something asking how do they... <laughs> Is there, is there a way to put... <laughs> I'm sure there, there is. is. Of course is there is. Is that best practice for, of for cutting roses? But that sounds perfect. It Five leaflets, yeah, that yeah, with a long stem and pick the buds nice and, you know, just I as we begin to open. It would, it would, uh, it would probably, yeah, make sense. You th- obviously, no leaves are in the water in yes. the baths, isn't that it? Yeah. So maybe that's the, where the five leaves is coming from. That sounds right. <laughs> you said to sell wallflowers now, but what is the name of the pure orange wallflower with the lovely scent and can I sow it now? Oh, you can, of course, yeah. So this is the time of year. I was making the point last week that it's a, this is the perfect time. I suppose gardening is always about that sowing and reaping principle, isn't it? And if we want colour in the winter and the spring, you sow the seeds of plants at this time of year. So uh, wallflowers, sweet williams, forget-me-nots, winter pansies, uh, violas, they should all be sown from seed now. And the great thing is that we've got the perfect temperatures. I mean, if you throw them literally on the ground, they're going to grow. But if you sow them in little seed trays mm. um, and sit them on a windowsill or even in a small greenhouse or somewhere out of doors, they're going to germinate in a couple of weeks. The orange 
variety of wallflower that the listener is talking about is called the Siberian wallflower. So it's slightly different to our traditional. Traditional wallflower tends to be a whole myriad of colours, reds and pinks and yellows and all sorts of colours, and many of them are highly scented. The Siberian wallflower, uh, there's a variety called orange bedder, which is a beautiful orange colour. So in the packet, they're all orange. So it's so a single colour. Single colour. And you get this fantastic blaze of colour in April and May of next year if you sow the seed now. So the, the botanical name for wallflowers are Sherianthus. But generally, if you go to your garden centre and ask for Siberian wallflower seed um, or the orange bedder wallflower seed, that's the one to look for. Sow the seed now. Beautiful plant. You, so you sow it from seed in trays. You plant it out of doors then when they're about two or three inches high. Um, when they're about six inches high, you pinch them back, take the centres out and plant them into the beds that you want them to flower in next spring. And they'll grow during the winter period and come into flower then in March, April, May. And the bees just love them. There's lovely scent off them as well. Sarah has a ginkgo tree and it has never done well. It just produces a few leaves every year. Would it be safe to move it to another area of the garden? It sounds it sounds totally necessary to move it. It's, that's not, happy. it's, all, it's not happy. So ginkgo biloba, that's the um, maidenhair Maiden. tree. And it's actually a conifer, even though it sheds its leaves in winter. A bit like larch, you know, the larch tree. The large tree is very like a cedar. And again, it has fantastic colour in the autumn, but sheds its foliage. And ginkgo biloba, again, is a conifer that sheds its foliage in winter. Um, From memory, it goes back to prehistoric days, the ginkgo biloba. I know ginkgo biloba, to me, is something... I know it's used in homeopathy and... Uh, it kind of comes from that side. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a, I suppose, medical, a medical side Medicinal to it. plant, yeah, 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 absolutely. It sure is. Now, it is a tree that is slow, relatively slow growing and it does require good shelter. So you need to put it in a nice sheltered part of the garden. Remember, it makes a big tree in time. So, you know, it needs space and it needs shelter, really. Um, now, the time to move it will be when it drops its foliage. So next November, dig it up and transplant it and do all the, the good necessary stuff, put down plenty of compost and plant it to the same depth that you originally lifted it from. Um, if there's any dead wood in it, any dieback, trim that off, stake it well and uh, just give it a, a sheltered, a more sheltered site and reasonably good soil, good free draining soil. But um, yeah, there, it's, it's, it's relatively easy to grow once, once you do that. Okay. Now, can I stop green fly from my tunnel? It's on the lettuce. Is, also, is it too late to put down spinach? I put it in the tunnel, but wondering might it be better outside from Teresa? Well, well, spinach grows well out of doors or it'll grow in the tunnel fine as well. It, it grows so vigorously that in the tunnel, that's really just going to bring it on even further. Um, so I would tend to plant it out of doors. Um, but having said that, it, it's perfectly fine in the in the tunnel as well, or maybe do a little bit of both. Have it, have it inside and outside. The green fly and the lettuce you can use um, the pyrethrum spray, the PY spray, and that's very safe on edibles. Um, it's made from the pyrethrum, which is made from the chrysanthemum flower, so it's very good for edibles. You can spray it today and eat the crop tomorrow, so that's that's quite a safe one to use. Um, so now look at with lettuce. If, if you're using the lettuce, I mean, you can just wash the green fly off as well. But if, there, if there's a heavy infestation, you can use the PY spray. It's safe to use on all vegetables and safe to use in a tunnel as well. So apply today and you can eat the crop then maybe Sunday or Monday or whatever. 
Okay, how do we make pink hydrangeas blue but do it fairly cheaply, please? (laughs) (laughs) Cheaply, right. Well, well, the traditional way is to use the uh, crystals, the hydrangea crystals, which come in a little tub um, and you put those around the base of them. Now, to be honest, it's it's too late to try and change them for this year. If you want to change your hydrangeas, you really need to be starting back as the bud is beginning to form. So normally you would put the treatment on in April, March, April, early May, that time of year because they're, they're, they're in flower now at the moment and changing them at this stage and the other thing you'll find is people often use rusty nails so anything with iron in in its in its makeup will will um change because what you're actually what you're actually doing is changing the ph levels the lime levels or or, um, alkalinity of the soil so if you put something that excretes iron so it can be an old iron bar rusty nails you could even use sulfate of iron that we use to kill the moss um anything like that will encourage the pink hydrangeas to go deeper pink, reddish or blue in colour depending on what you put on. But really for I would do this for next year. So start in March and April and put on some sulphate of iron around the base of them and it's cheap to buy, it's it's easy to use and that'll help that'll to help. It, reduce the pH level and encourage them either a deeper red or certainly bordering on blue depending on how much you've, you use. Used. Okay. Now I notice a little bit of blight on my spods they're curris pinks and records is it too late to treat them now or should I just dig them in? No, no. Dig them, sorry it's yeah. just starting on some leaves. Yeah, curris pink won't have formed their tubers properly so there's no point digging them yet and with the modern sprays, dithium was of course the old traditional spray for our blue stone and they were very much a contact spray so they protected what what you actually the foliage you sprayed but any new growth was unprotected modern sprays so there's a very good one now made by Bayer it's um it's blight, it's potato blight treatment, I think is the name of it, um, from Bayer. So if you go into your local garden centre, ask for the Bayer blight treatment. It's a systemic action, which means it ent- enters the system of the plant. It's got curative properties, so it hen- helps to cure and kill off the spores of early blight. Um, so if it's just early blight, that'll kill off those spores that are on the plant. But more importantly, then, it'll prevent any new blight from affecting the plants and generally I advise you know I know I said there's a blight you know it's very blighty weather but ideally Mm. you should be trying to spray in good weather in dry weather non-blight weather because you're protecting the plant um, rather than waiting for the met air and to tell you (laughs) that blight is on the way it's better you know to have at least maybe a week beforehand applied treatment so if you use the the bear maybe every three to four weeks that'll give good protection and irrespective of the weather your, your plants are protected and as they produce new growth that the the treatment goes up into that new growth right so that's bears blight blight control blight control treatment i think is the yeah. name of yeah interested in reseeding my lawn is now a good time and how do i go about it please yeah well i said that at yeah. the start of the program it's perfect weather for seeding um so the basic steps are, uh, well, if, it depends at what level you've got the soil. If the soil is ready to sow, then put in a preceding lawn fertiliser, something like the Osmo Park and Fairway. Put that on first, then apply the lawn seed, rake both in, and the, the seed will germinate in a 7 to 10 day, maybe 14 day period in this sort of weather. Um, if, you're, if you're at the stage where you're just starting, well, obviously you need to clean off any weeds or grass that might be there, so that needs to be sprayed off with Weed Free 360. Leave that for about a week to work till the soil, again, level it down, put in your preceding lo- uh, fertiliser, put on your lawn seed. And again, you know, there's plenty of time between, you can sow a lawn right up until the end of October in Ireland. So, okay. but now it's perfect now weather. Time it's more it. about weather than, yeah. than, than, than actually timing. So yeah, if okay. we get an extended dry period, you obviously avoid that. But this sort of mixture of, of moisture and heat, it germinates very, very rapidly and very quickly. 
My perennial geraniums have just finished a flush of pink flowers. Should I cut them back now and will they flower again? Yes, they will. So if you trim them back, and that's really what I was saying about the lupins, that if you, those early flowering plants like geraniums or lupins, if you trim them back and stop the, or certainly deadhead them, but particularly with geraniums, they tend to come into flower. These are the perennial geraniums now, not your little bedding plants. So these are the guys that come back year after year and they come in shades of pinks and whites and, and purples. And once they go out of flower, if you trim them back with a head shears, they'll reshoot again and reflower in the same year, particularly if you feed them. My pond lily flowers only last a couple of days before dying off. Now, new ones keep coming, but again, they only last for two or three days. Is there anything I can do about that? Well, there's nothing... Or is that normal life cycle? That's 100% normal. Generally, uh, pond lily flowers open in the morning, they close in the evening, and they tend to last for two days or three days. That's the, the extent. That's their life cycle. That's their life cycle. And after that, but it, the, as the listener says, they produce new buds all the time. Same with the foliage. The foliage tends to last maybe, you know, two weeks or three weeks and then tends to go yellow and die off. So, But it's producing new foliage all the time. So with water lilies or pond lilies, that's perfectly natural. Now, you de- generally don't have to deadhead them or take the old flowers off. They just fade away into the pond and that's perfectly normal. It's a good idea to feed them the right specific feed for pond lilies. Um, any of the slow release fertilisers are, are actually very good and they need to be repotted every maybe three to four years. Great. That's all that's needed with them. Um, the potato blight control, does that work on tomatoes as well? You can, well it doesn't actually have a, it doesn't have a tomato description yeah on oh, the pack okay. so and I haven't tested it on, okay. on tomato just uh, you know so we, can't, we can't say definitively no not, not to use it I mean it will control blight definitely but it's it's specifically for potatoes that's the the recommendation on the on the canister at the moment Great. you can use a copper based spray for tomatoes Tomatoes copper fungicide to prevent against blight and that'll only be required if they're if they're out in the open you know if the wind if the, if the actual moisture is getting on the foliage as I mentioned before you know when you're watering tomatoes keep the foliage dry so water the ground of oh, the yeah, actual plant the itself yeah uh, can I sow green manure from seed in a polytunnel Oh, you can, yeah. I think no that problem. grows anyway, Absolute, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So again, the green manure, all you do is rake the soil, get a, 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 a packet of green manure seed, shake it into the into the soil and uh, let it germinate. And then when it's about maybe six or eight inches high, dig it back into the soil. Okay, problem with cats and flower beds. I know there's a plant that uh, we have discussed before. It was a scaredy cat or something scared. like that. Yeah, yeah, you tried that. Uh, didn't you? I did. <laughs> now, I don't have that many. Actually, a neighbour of mine asked me about this during the week as well yeah. um, because uh, they're plagued with cats in their garden and they have lovely flowers. Uh, so, good morning, Tommy and Bridgie, if you're listening. Um, but, yeah, so. There's mixed It's, mixed a, div- rev- it's a difficult one. Mixed reviews. Yeah. There is a plant called scaredy cat, and, and you know, technically, it, well, they, they tell me it works with cats, but I gave you a plan to try well, and the results yeah, but I have a nice cat let's be honest to the listeners and I don't mind him coming in to visit occasionally yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. so it, you know there, there's no plan that I could say to you look at this definitely will will keep the cat out mm-hmm. um, there are plants like cat mint which cats love so if you plant those in an area of the garden maybe where you want to attract them to would be one suggestion um, so or diversionary tactics. Diversionary tactics, you know, or planting the neighbour's garden. <laughs> don't do that, don't but, do that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's no particular plan that I could say to you. This one will absolutely keep the, the cats away. Okay. When and how do I take slips from old cottage roses? I have failed a few times and love the smell of them. Okay, well, you know, it does work. And this is a good time of year for, for slipping plants or taking cuttings in general. Take small 
you know, as I always say, pencil length, pencil thickness, strip off all the leaves apart from maybe one leaf at the very top, take off any flower buds or any flowers that are open, dip it into the rooting powder, stick it. And when you're taking the cuttings, take about maybe 10 or 12 if you can. Stick them into a pot that has nice gritty uh, compost. So regular compost, but sand or grit or perlite mixed through it to make it nice and sandy. Stick them into that, cover them with a polythene bag and they should root in six weeks, seven weeks maybe. Um, and you get yourself new plants again. So they're well worth trying. The other thing you can do, if you wish, is if you get a stem of that rose plant and just score it underneath with a, with a knife, mm. right? So don't cut the stem right through. Just kind of score it, just scrape it at the bottom. So you're taking away the outer, um, uh, the outer skin. Uh, put a little bit of rooting powder on that and stick it into the ground or stick it into a pot. So leave it attached to the mother plant, as it were. Mm. So you bend the stem down you underscore it a bit like the way strawberry runners grow right. you know the way the strawberry mm-hmm. b- runners hit the ground they touch it brambles do mm. exactly the same thing uh, as soon as they touch the soil they start to root so they're still attached to the mother plant it's like a surrogate mother it's still been fed but because it's touching the actual soil the stem is touching the soil it initiates roots it starts to root and then once it's rooted, it's rooted you, you can cut it from the mother plant and grow it on <coughs> are you, so. are you know the, the, um, the cutting globes you could use the cutting globes as well. Yeah, they're yeah. So they again do exactly the same. That's a great. I'd forgotten that. That's so there you go. Um, so the cutting globe is a special device that fits around the rose stem, and again it mimics that thing of the compost or the soil touching the stem. Because generally, when when the cells of the plants feel the, the clay or the moisture, uh, they, it, it, it encourages them to initiate roots. So the cutting globe would be brilliant, or else alternatively, bend the plant bend down, down or take a few cuttings. One of those methods will definitely work. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you mentioned some spray for the brown spots on the cone conifers you mentioned last week. Didn't get the name of it because you just repeated it's it. And spray. how often do we put it on? Okay, so um, this would be a good time to spray them. Um, so this is Tuya blight on Tuya conifers. Um, so it's the browning or speckling on the actual cone-shaped conifers. So the treatment to use is a thing called fungus clear. Right. So as the name suggests, it's it, yeah, it's in a pink box, a very distinctive kind of pinky red box, um, and it actually states on it, Tuya blight. So look for that in your local garden centre. So it's fungus clear, um, and simply mix it up in water, spray it onto the actual trees. You want to repeat it maybe once a month. And the other thing to do is to feed the Tuyas, because generally speaking, when they're under a little bit of stress, nutritional stress in particular, they tend to be more susceptible to Tuya blight. Okay. So feed them, put on the fungus clear and that should help to bring them back. Now, I have a wedding coming up in August. It's in the first week. What flowering shrubs could I plant now for some colour and anything to green the lawn quick? There's an emergency oh, Well, we mentioned that. Yeah, so, yeah. so if it's the first week of August, yeah. if you put the Osmo Park and Fairway, that will definitely have worked at that stage. Um, plants for August, well, things at the top of my head would be things like, there's a beautiful hydrangea called Phantom, which is a dwarf white flowering hydrangea. Um, which is really nice. It's in that paniculata family, but it, it, very, very nice, very colourful. You've got Pinky Winky, which is a pink version of it. Any of the hydrangeas are going to be in full flower. Um, you've got plants like hibiscus, which again would be in, in flower for the summer. Um, you've got, what else have you got? Full summer. Any, the roses will be brilliant. So anything in the rose family, but be it shrub roses or roses, you know, they'll be in full flower for for August. Uh, Budlias are just in flower at the moment and they'll still be in flower for 
uh, August. Hypericum is in full flower at the moment, well, coming into full flower at the moment with the yellow flowers. So look, pop into your local garden centre. Most of the herbaceous perennial plants as well, the penstemons, the arum lilies, um, they'll all be flowering during during that period. So pop into your local garden centre, they'll advise you on some of the plants. August is easy. It's an easy time to get a lot of colour and you've got a month to go. So if you plant, so you have five now. weeks to go. Yeah. So if you plant them now, they're going to be certainly yes. in full flower. Now, Planting groups maybe in clusters, you know, of threes or fives, so you get more of an impact. Okay, one more before we finish up, Porek. White bugs on my hedge and squirmy bugs on my cauliflower and sprout plants. Uh, what to use to clear them? White bugs on my... On my hedge. Hedge, right, and okay. And squirmy ones. Oh, squirmy ones. So they're probably on the caterpillars. Cali- on the cauliflower and the sprout okay. plants, yeah. Well, if, it, if they're, they're typical caterpillars with a lot of them <clears> at the moment, and a- aphids on general plants, if you use the one treatment, you can use the PY spray, the one I mentioned for the aphids on the lettuce. That'll work on, on hedging plants and it'll also work on... Um, caterpillars on cabbage or kale or any of the cabbage family. So PY spray, mix it up in a spray machine. Make sure you do underneath and the top. And if you are using a spray machine or water can, make sure it's clean, that it hasn't been used for Roundup or or something else beforehand, that it's nice and clean. Um, So remember, I'm in the... Ideal so you're homes in the ideal homes this today and tomorrow? Today, so I'm giving a talk at a quarter past one in garden design and also at five o'clock and I'll be there tomorrow as well at quarter past one and five uh, repeating the talk again okay. during, during garden design. So okay. just sharing some ideas on, on what you can do with your garden Brilliant. over the summer. Okay, well have after that have a little bit of a break. I will. And we shall uh, chat to you again we'll on the autumn. In September. Yeah, resume, resume we'll in September. Do it all over again. Have a, gr- have a great summer in the Thanks meantime. Dear, Porik, and to everybody as well who has has contributed to the programme over the past number of months by way of questions and otherwise uh, enjoy the summer break, enjoy the gardening. Uh, I'm back with you as normal, three hours of Saturday morning breakfast from seven next Saturday. Uh, coming up directly after the news at ten this morning, we're live. Michael Neary is at Specsavers in Castlebar and uh, he'll be coming to you with the very best in country classics then. Stand by news on the way next after these.